Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another SLG Meetup. I'm not sure about you, but here in Miami is already one o'clock. <laughs> and that's what we're gonna be bringing with us the senior editor and projects director at Wine Spectator. His name is James Mollesworth, and he's gonna tell us all about wine and how interesting it has been to implement it as part of the lifestyle of all this luxury affluent. There he is. What's going on, James? Morning, Albert. How are you? Very good, very good. As I said, it's wine o'clock already. <laughs> it's wine o'clock. Even though I'm on the West Coast, it's always wine o'clock. <laughs> I love that. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. No, of course, absolutely. And, you know, I was telling about how you became the senior editor and the project director at One Spectator magazine. You've been with them since 1997, right? It's been a long journey already. Uh, I've passed the 25-year mark and going strong. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about what you're doing and what is so exciting about being part of the Wine Spectator magazine. Well, just to get your, your followers situated, Wine Spectator is the world's most widely read wine publication. Uh, it's aimed at consumers. We have over three and a half million readers. We review wines and give uh, news and information on the wine and hospitality industries. All of our wine reviews are done blind, which means we don't know who, taste, uh, who the producer is or what the price is, and that way we're objective. And then, of course, we cover lifestyles, recipes, travel, everything like that. And, you know, it's basically a lifestyle magazine with hardcore journalism uh, at the center. And I got involved uh, way back, as you know, in 1997. Prior to that, I had been a sommelier for a year at a restaurant in Midtown Manhattan, and I'd been in wine retail for a few years. But when I joined the magazine, I was just a, a wee lad, and I was helping, <laughs> to, helping to set up the tastings for the other editors and um, really accelerated my, my wine knowledge through that process after both the retail and restaurant side of things. And after a few years, one of the editors uh, left for other possibilities. And so they said, well, you're, you're next man up. And at the time I started covering, I think it was uh, Loire in South Africa. And huh. 25, 25 years later, uh, here I am. I'm covering uh, Bordeaux, uh, the Rhone Valley, California Cabernet, California Pinot, a couple of other things. It's been a great ride. Wow, that's amazing. What's your favorite wine? Uh, my favorite wine is the Rhone Valley, um, which is interesting because as a journalist, I, I can't play favorites. And so mm -hmm. when I'm reviewing wines from the Rhone Valley, I have to sort of temper my enthusiasm. Um, but, you know, <laughs> if, if I were stuck on a desert island, I would be drinking Rhone wines for sure. Got you. Okay, very good. I mean, I'm always curious, right? Somebody that does this for a living, what's their, their take on this? Yeah, now, we have our favorites, but, we, you know, we have to... We have to play it even because there's exactly, so much out there and, exactly. and the wine world is so diverse and there's so much good stuff. We want to point readers to the, to the direction of all the good wines out there. Now, it's very fascinating to see the entire journey on, on how you've been going from in 1997, starting on it and now senior you know, editor, uh, projects director at the magazine. Mm -hmm. Now, what are some of the things that you're doing in order to, to launch these reviews? Like, walk us through the process. So the, the magazine's been around for 40 years, since the 1970s. Uh, it was once based on the West Coast. Now it's based in New York. And our team of editors have specific regions that they cover. Um, as I mentioned, uh, for instance, I'm covering Bordeaux and other regions. We taste those wines. We taste them blind. We review them. And then they go into the magazine proper. So it's print journalism, which is a bit old school. But we also mm -hmm. have the digital side. We have a website. We have social media presence. And, uh, you know, those are things that we're always trying to sort of crack the code on, like the Instagram algorithm, like everyone else. Yeah. Um, but generally, I think our, our combined years of experience, many of the editors have been around the magazine as long as I have been. Um, our readership is very loyal and our brand is very recognizable in the marketplace because of that history that we have. 
Mm-hmm. Got you. Now, in terms of collaborations, do you do any collaborations with the brands directly or with other, you know, members of the industry or not? Not really, because we're a, a, a journalistic outlet. We do have our events department, which uh, puts together events. So you could call that a collaboration. Um, one of the events that we do every year is called the New York Wine Experience, which is over a weekend mm. in October. Uh, we have a couple thousand consumers that come to that event, and we bring them into contact with about 250 wineries, oh, all wow. of which. Uh, are pouring wines that we rated 90 points or better on our scale. And that all goes to charity. And that charity is the M. Shankin Scholarship Fund, which goes to put kids through school at UC Davis, which is the main uh, winemaking and viticultural school in the United States. So we're trying to give back to the industry at the same time. So, you know, maybe not a pure collaboration, but we definitely work with the industry and try to get back to the industry that we're covering. Gotcha. Okay. Now, in regards to your audience, the audience that you're reaching on is, I'm assuming, all wine lovers, but is there any specific niche? Yeah, I mean, I I think our readership, demographically speaking, is aged 40 and up and affluent, but we would love to have anyone who's interested in wine uh, read our magazine and follow our our website. We think that we speak to a wide range of audiences. We don't try to be super geeky or super technical on wine. We think that either a, a total beginner or a seasoned connoisseur and collector can read our magazine and get information from it. And so while the, the readership of the magazine tends to skew 40 and up, the website tends to be a little younger. Social media obviously has a totally different demographic. We're trying to put all those things together to, to cover a, you know, a wide audience here in the U.S. market. Mm-hmm. And as a magazine, you cover ad spaces. So let's say I do real estate and I know that you specify on a specific niche market that can buy or that has access to these properties that I care about. So do you offer those ad spaces? There is advertising in the magazine and that's why we taste blind so that the advertising does not influence the ratings that we give to the wines. Mm-hmm. Uh, the advertisers tend to be a wide range. You'll see lifestyles uh, advertisers in there might be watch companies, private jet companies, real estate companies, in addition to what you would expect from the wine and hospitality industry. So restaurants and wineries uh, are also advertising in our magazine. Mm-hmm. Got it. So what's been the most exciting thing about being in this beautiful journey? Well, I, I got to say getting to travel. I mean, over the years, uh, everything from South Africa and South America to multiple trips to France. And now uh, I'm essentially bi-coastal because I'm covering uh, California uh, in addition uh, to my stuff in France. So the, the travel opportunities that the magazine has afforded me has been great. And so I guess you could say I'm, I'm living the wine lifestyle, but I, I want to remind folks that while it looks glamorous from the outside, uh, tasting wine all day and traveling and writing about it, uh, the job side of it is a job. It's, it's, it's hard work. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, you have to take care of yourself. We, we believe wine is part of a healthy lifestyle, but within moderation. And so when you're in a run of a lot of restaurant meals and a lot of travel, uh, you have to take care of yourself as well. But I mean, it's been fun to, to see the world. And, yeah. and it's also amazing how much of the world I haven't seen um, because the wine world is so wide and diverse right now, which is, really a huge change over the last, uh, you know, two, three decades. Wine used to not be a big thing in the United States, and now it has become a sense of luxury uh, when you add it to your table or when it's on a restaurant uh, table. And, and, you know, we think we're part of the reason for that, and, and we're also trying to cover that as best we can. Now, James, let me ask you this, because you were talking about luxury. We always mm-hmm. ask this question to our guests, and you coming from the wine industry, what is really the meaning of luxury to you? To me, it's about authenticity. I, I think that word gets used a lot, especially in social media these days when you have uh, influencers and, and other people trying to, to spread information. I think authenticity is, is the main thing. So whether it's 
a watch, a wine, a painting, an apartment, uh, the sense that the person who made that wine is farming the land respectfully, is putting a product in the bottle that is uh, enjoyable, that stimulates conversation, that makes food taste better, and that you know was done by hand. I think that's what luxury is. As a consumer, as a journalist, I'm cautious about that because I don't want people to be spooked by wine and think it's only luxury. But I do think it's luxurious to have a bottle of wine on the table with your meal. And I think you can do that for $20 a bottle and you can do it for $200 a bottle, it depends. Mm -hmm. um, but I think being educated about it and understanding the authenticity behind it is really what makes it luxurious. Got it. No, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I love it, mm -hmm. authenticity. I haven't heard that yeah. word related to luxury in a while. And we always mm -hmm. have this question. So I really like to, to hear that coming from you. Now, obviously everything sounds glamorous, fun, luxurious, and there is always the behind the scenes. What's been some of the, if you have to choose, one of the toughest things that you've had to face and what did you learn from it? In life or just in terms of the job? I mean, in terms of the job, the toughest thing I think is to be fair. Um, again, why, why we taste blind. Uh, you know, there are over 25 years I've developed relationships with winemakers and winery owners that, you know, I would consider them friends in a way, but at the same time, I have to keep a, a professional distance at the same time too. And keeping that objectivity and that impartiality cool. and being a, just a pure journalist that it's difficult, it's challenging, but it's what makes the job fun and rewarding at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I got, I'm putting myself in your shoes. Uh, you're establishing these beautiful relationships and you feel like you have built this friendship and all of a sudden everybody in that industry is so passionate about their own product that when you don't rank them as like the best, they're like, oh, Yep. What? <laughs> Absolutely. I know. I mean, it is an industry of passion and that's why people get into it. And that's why people get into the industry who don't have a background in wine because they just love wine. And that, that really fuels the industry in a positive way, I think, and has driven its diversity and its growth. Um, but, you know, as I said, it, it is a product. Someone needs to help educate and entertain people about that product. And I think to do it objectively is the best way to do that. So mm -hmm. I'm thankful for the relationships and I appreciate the access they give me. And I get to see things that maybe the regular consumer doesn't get to. And I can take that information and pass it along to consumers. But I have to be fair and even handed in doing that. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing that. Now, I have a question for I mean, it's, it's been such a journey for you, right? Over mm -hmm. 25 years. What's what do you envision is happening next with you and the wine spectator? Well, I think, you know, our events have really uh, evolved to a point where not only do they sell out quickly, but I think we, we continue to fine tune them. I think the magazine is always trying to, while we know what we do well, figuring out what we need to do to bring in a new audience, generally uh, the millennial audience, which right now has not really embraced wine fully yet. I think we're trying to deal with that uh, going forward. We know that our current readership is loyal, but we, of course, would always like to break into a new uh, demographic category. And I think the millennials are very challenging uh, to get mm -hmm. on board. Um, and then just broader industry in general, I, I, I see nothing but growth. I mean, if you think about where wine was 30 years ago, 15 years ago, and today in terms of restaurants and, and who had it on their tables, it's, it's exploded over that time. Mm -hmm. And there are now places making wine that didn't make wine before weren't taken seriously before. So it's not just France and Italy and California, but it's Chile, it's Argentina, it's Greece, it's Croatia, it's South Africa, it's Portugal, it's all of these other places, some of which have long histories, some of which have short histories. But the diversity and the strength of the industry in general, I, I just see it only going up. 
I mean, it's just mm-hmm. such a positive trend line for the industry Absolutely. as a whole. Obviously, now that we're doing this Instagram Live and we see how social media has exploded, when we look into other, other categories in that food and beverage industry, we're looking at this guy reviewing pizzas and this guy mm-hmm. reviewing donuts and this guy reviewing whatever, you know? And everything goes so viral and the new generations, they get attached so much into these reviews about the food. I, I, I don't know if there is something like that with wine, but definitely a, an opportunity in there to utilize the background that you guys already created and the authority and credibility to start using more of that new social currency or the new way of, of showcasing right. the, the reviews. Yeah, I mean, I try to be as active on social media as, as I can be uh, here on Instagram as basically my main social media presence. Um, you know, wine is visual, too. So the, the photographic side of it, the beautiful vineyards, the people behind it, um, the things that you can't put in print necessarily are obviously what we try to reach through Instagram and social media. But in the end, we want people to read. I mean, you have to educate yourself and reading is one of the best ways to do that. And the magazine, which, you know, which is oversized and, and a glossy format. Mm-hmm. So I think the artwork in there is, is very compelling as well. But as I said, old school journalism is what we do and trying to fit that into the modern world is what we're trying to do. I, I think we're doing a good <laughs> job, but we could always do better. Mm-hmm. No, amazing. Well, listen, thank you so much for everything. Is there any last takeaways that you would like to share? I would just say, you know, the more you know, the better you can drink. And it's the same with anything that's luxury related, right? If you're going to a museum and you're looking at the paintings, you know, knowing who made it, what the time frame was when they made it, how they made it, that's all part of it. Your, your watch, your car, whatever it is that you find luxurious, wine is the same thing. It's an enormous amount of information out there. Um, it's exponentially growing every year because there's a new vintage, there's a new winery, the wineries change hands, there's so much going on. Um, so just educate yourselves and, um, it's just something that you can entertain yourself with at the same time, educating and entertaining. And that's what we like to do. I love that. Well, that's a good way to wrap this up. It was very uplifting conversation, very informative. And well, after this, I gotta just go for a glass of wine. Why not? (laughs) Why not? It's definitely wine o'clock where you are. So yeah, exactly. All right. Well, thank you so much, James. I encourage everybody that is watching or listening either now or later to follow James, follow wine spectator. It's such an encouraging and and uplifting content and really interesting as well, because what you just said right now about educating and entertaining, it's just such a fine line that works so well together. So thank you again, James. Appreciate it. I will definitely let you know next time I'm on that side of the country. And if you ever come here to Miami, let me know as well. Okay. Thanks for having me, Alvaro. I appreciate it. Take care. Bye-bye. Cheers. And thanks again for everybody tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed it. And remember, embrace each beautiful success in life. My name is Alvaro, and I'll see you next time.